0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Meat Sports Alcohol for Tuesday, July 20th. Uh, I'm Dylan. I'm JMO. On today's episode, we
1: have an interview with Kyle Irving, not to be confused with Kyrie Irving. Although maybe, yeah, just think it's Kyrie. That'd be pretty sick. Uh, we talk NBA draft, NBA finals. Uh, he's an NBA content producer with NBA Canada and Australia, uh, and he was dope just super knowledgeable guy about the NBA, had lots of cool stuff to say, and some pretty hot Space Jam 2 takes, which are uh, hard to come by because everybody hates
0: it. So, <laughs> Yes, um, but he gave a compelling argument for potentially going, and I think it's something that we might have to consider now that we're entering uh, the, the dead zone of sports once the NBA Finals is over, and all we have is just midseason baseball and you know we can't talk about that all the time we could do a space jam Two review even though that is totally ripping off part of my take but that's kind of our thing so <laughs> yeah we can do it. we can get super into just
1: one olympics event too. Ooh. just get really into the shot put yeah
0: i like that idea i like that idea yeah, all right sweet and then we can bet a bunch on them Yeah, lose all our money. (laughs) talk about things that
1: nobody knows about.
0: (laughs) Sweet. Um, And then after after our interview with Kyle, uh, we do a little bit more finals recap. Um, We do our uh, boots on the ground coverage. We had our beat reporter and uh, in-house Suns fan and expert Carson Christian uh, do some interviews with Suns fans while we were there at game five uh we discuss the electricity of talking uh talking stick arena as well as the absolute heartbreak that Janis brought upon all of us there um so yeah a uh, pretty awesome show for you guys
1: and that's the show stick around
0: and take
1: it away chat uh,
2: big up big up the whole island massive and straight from that golden globe respect boss man uh, you don't know by that respect
3: big true
1: We now welcome on Kyle Irving. He's an NBA content producer with NBA Canada and NBA Australia. Uh, You can also find him on Twitter at Kyle Irv underscore. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Kyle. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. What's going on? How much, except I just found out that you're a Boston fan, like 10 minutes before starting this interview. Wish I didn't know that information. Uh, you probably we'll wouldn't have work. me on the pod. Yeah, you probably wouldn't <laughs> have me on the
2: first place if you knew that up
1: top. That's exactly right. But we're <laughs> going to talk some NBA finals, potentially some NBA draft as well. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, you just tweeted out a stat. Chris Paul had 22 turnovers in the first three rounds of the playoffs. He has 18 through five games in the finals. If this goes seven, over under 20 turnovers in the next two games. What do you think? How bad could he possibly be? How bad could he possibly can he, be? Can he get worse? <clears throat> I don't know
2: if he can get worse. It's the It was the craziest <laughs> thing when I was going through that earlier because, like, obviously it's Drew Holiday being more physical on defense. And he's doing a great job guarding him. But Chris Paul is still shooting efficiently with Drew Holiday guarding him. But he has seven turnovers against Drew Holiday, the most against anybody on the Bucks. which I mean, obviously that adds up. But then when you would put all those points together, you would think, OK, well, it's getting a little bit more physical. He's still shooting efficiently. He's probably going to the free throw line and he hasn't been to the free throw line since game four. So, uh, sorry, game three. So, I mean, like when you add all those things together, the fact that he's turning the ball over, he's still dishing out, I think, eight assists per game, averaging 21 points in doing it efficiently, shooting over 50% from the field and 50% from three, you would think that that would be a player that's having a pretty good series minus the turnovers, but it seems like he's just been absent. And I'm not exactly sure what changed with Chris Paul that, He went from, you know, being productive, like the guy that had 41 points, eight assists and zero turnovers in game six against the Clippers to this guy who is coughing up the rock. I mean, he was a disaster down the stretch in game four. And all of a sudden it seems like he's kind of fumbling away this one finals opportunity. And, you know, I I mean, he's only got one more game to try and right the ship here or otherwise he's going to be. I mean, I had one of my friends tweeted at me in response to that today and was like, if Chris Paul loses tomorrow night, he's on the Mount Rushmore of choke artists and in, in sports history. And I'm like, man, he's got to put together a game, a pretty damn good game in order to just avoid titles like that. So, I mean, all the pressure on the world in, in the world on Chris Paul for tomorrow night or, or Wednesday night, uh, sorry, Tuesday night for game six. And I'm curious to
0: see how he responds. Which is crazy. Cause it was literally like two weeks ago when he had that game six against the Clippers, even game, game one and game two, he played great. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it, it not even two weeks. It's like a week. It's like the narrative changed so quickly. And like part of I mean, part of me has to think that like that wrist is bothering him more than, you know, he's leading on and all this stuff. But like, it's so weird that it like something changed. I don't know what it was. Um, I don't know if you have any insights and in like, is it, is it his wrist? Is it an injury? Is drew like, you know, really clamping down on him? Does Bud actually know how to make adjustments? Like, what you know? That's what a have you kind question, of seen on that? Yeah,
4: <laughs> does that Bud do question.
0: stuff?
2: I guess Bud has been doing stuff. I mean, he's been throwing out different lineups. He's been switching up matchups. I mean, like you saw, Brooke Lopez hasn't been playing as much, which they picked him apart. I mean, ran him off the floor in games one and two, and that's really what's changed in games three and four. One of the things that's changed. But I mean, I got to give a lot of credit to Drew Holiday up top, like right off the right off the top, because. I mean, the guy has been ridiculous two-way as a two-way player since game two. I mean, that was one of the best two-way displays that I've seen a long time in the finals uh, the other night. And it just seems like whoever he's guarding, it's going to be a long night for him. Um, I mean, he did a little bit of it to Devin Booker. He was getting physical with him. D Booker was being physical back and whatnot. But when it comes to Chris Paul, again, like he's scoring efficiently when – Drew Holiday's guarding him. It's just like, it seems like you can't take care of the rock when he's doing that. And I also think to answer your question on like the wrist injury, it does seem like something's wrong. Do I know if anything's wrong? Not really. But like there was one play in particular to me late in the fourth quarter of game five where he was coming off a pick and roll he had, i think it was cam johnson it might have been mikhail bridges if not cam johnson open in the corner and he went to make this one-handed pass for a three that i think would have either made it a one possession game or tied the game late in the fourth quarter and he basically almost sailed it out of bounds and i think if, let's say it was cam johnson made a save went to you know try and keep the ball alive but it was all bucks players there bucks get the ball in transition they go down and score and that completely changes the game like that's a pass that we've seen chris paul make a hundred times out of a hundred with that, you know, with whether it be one hand through traffic, it doesn't really matter. So, you know, I mean, he's got that wrist taped up. It seems like he's losing handle at some times, which we would never see from Chris Paul in the past. And again, like just simple passes like that, where he would make that, you know, with his eyes closed a hundred times out of a hundred. It just seems like something's a little off with uh, the point guard there.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I've noticed the most is just like, like even when he's just like taking it up and he's like pressed, he always, you know, he just is, he's always so sure-handed and the number of times where like it's not even necessarily a turnover, like he'll just get pressed. He'll put his back to the basket and then he'll just like lose the ball and fumble it. And then the possession kind of has to reset. And like, I think, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe he just truly is the biggest choke artist of all time. And he <laughs> forgot how to dribble.
2: He's he's definitely flirting with the, the latter of those two. I mean, listen, he has to get the job. done. He has to play well too. Like, I mean, Book like completely carried them in game five, like to the point where after the Bucks responded to that initial run to open the game, it really never felt like the Suns should have even had a chance in that game. And somehow every time I look down at the score, I'm like, this is still pretty manageable. And then you look at the box score and you obviously see why Devin Booker giving them 40 points back-to-back nights. But... I mean, like, at some point, Chris Paul has to step up and be that guy. Also, someone who's kind of going under the radar for, you know, not taking as much shit as everybody else is DeAndre Ayton. He played really, really well in games one and two, but he hasn't really been as well. I mean, foul trouble plays a big role in that, and he's still shooting efficiently and things like that, grabbing, you know, a walking double-double. But his impact, kind of like Chris Paul, like, even if his numbers don't look that uh, drastic, it feels like his impact isn't exactly the same. So he's kind of flying under the radar a little bit too, because Chris Paul is catching all the grief, but I mean, listen, the Suns are one of the best teams in the NBA, like overall teams. And the way that they move the ball, like the synergy they have when they're passing the ball, sometimes is like, it's literally magical. And, uh, you know, they swing, they swing, they find an open guy, knock down a three, and that's what they've done all season. And in game five, it wasn't like that. It was a lot of isolation lot to give the ball to Booker and get out of the way. And I mean, they need to get back to that Suns brand of basketball in game six if they're gonna have a chance to extend the series.
1: You mentioned DeAndre Aiden there. And this is something I wanted to ask about. Dylan and I, both sports betters. So you know, always trying to look for value. Mm -hmm. If the Suns pull this off, if they win the next two games, they have to give away a finals MVP. I they do it every year. They I don't (laughs) think they could just not give it to someone. Devin Booker and Chris Paul are both plus 650. I don't know if you know how. yeah i got you okay uh and deandre is plus plus eighteen thousand. i feel like i could get some pretty good value there or let me throw another name at you another one of dylan i's favorites campaign is there an mvp (laughs) finals mvp odd option for campaign
2: I can't believe that like campaign is still playing in the NBA. Like it, it, the fact that he even got enough chances to get back to this point and then like completely turn his career around and become the player that he became in this finals run is like, I mean, I remember watching with the bulls and the Raptors like a couple of years ago. And it's like, this guy doesn't belong anywhere near a basketball, like an NBA basketball court. And here we are. He's been like crucial for them during their run. But,
1: future I mean, finals, uh, uh, NBA finals MVP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, future
2: finals MVP okay. campaign. Yeah. That, <laughs> hey, that would really boost his resume going into uh, unrestricted free agency, but yeah. um the Aton that's interesting that Aton is, you know, the odds are that low or high however you want to look at it. Um I don't know. I mean, it just seems like narrative-wise if the Suns turn this around, it would probably be because Chris Paul started playing well and I have a hard time believing the media is not going to give the vote to Chris Paul, but Devin yeah. Booker has also been ridiculous the past couple games and it's like You know, I mean, this guy scored 40 in back-to-back games, even though they didn't win either of those games. It's still significant that he was keeping him in the hunt. And then, like, I don't know. There's a lot that has to unfold over the last last two games to determine finals MVP. But I'll give you this. If Giannis, if let's say Giannis was LeBron James and LeBron was putting up the numbers that Giannis was, everybody would be talking about Giannis winning finals MVP, whether he wins or loses the finals. Because Mm -hmm. his numbers have been that ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he's basically getting, like, 32 13 and five in his sleep with a block and a steal and it's like if lebron james was doing that people would be talking about him as if he's the finals mvp even if he loses so like i don't really think that Giannis will get that consideration but i'm saying that if it was lebron he would be getting that consideration
0: yeah yeah Yeah.
1: if Giannis were to get a finals mvp if the suns win by the same token chris paul should get a finals (laughs) ring if the bucks win for just giving this away
2: I actually don't, hate, such
1: that. A <laughs> I don't hate that proposition. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I said it correctly. <laughs> no, like, no, you did. did so I, don't, I, don't,
2: I don't hate that proposition at all. Imagine that, like that's CP3's only NBA championship. The ring that he got for helping the Bucks win the title. It would just it's, be like the biggest dark mark on his career ever if he's, you know, not already cursed enough.
0: Honestly, there'll be there'll be an extra one floating around if the Bucks win because Torrey Craig is supposed to get one. So he can just have Torrey True. Craig's.
1: <laughs> They yeah, can just yeah, sketch I
0: mean, out the Craig and put in CP3.
2: Yeah, that'll yeah. all work. Like that yeah. all lines up. I'm They'll sure he'll have an extra line yeah, around. He'd be yeah. thrilled to take on that ring for his first time. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. Going I go on his basketball him. reference page, like at yeah. the top, <laughs> <laughs> NBA champion, kind of.
0: Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an asterisk. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, switching things up a little bit. Um, so, uh, we were, you know, taking a look through your Twitter page, um, you know, trying to get a sense of, you know, some of your opinions on the NBA finals, things like that, which have been, all been mm-hmm. great. One thing that I thought was maybe your most interesting take as of late, uh, was that space jam two is perfect. Uh, you tweeted out, which mm-hmm. that definitely seems to be zigging when everyone else has been zagging. I personally haven't seen it yet. Um, but I was just wondering, you know, as someone who's on the fence about spending money and going to the theaters and watching space jam, uh, can you pitch me on, on why I should actually see Space Jam?
2: I will. I will. And I'm actually, I'm willing to die on that hill. That Space Jam too is perfect. I'm going to start out right off the top and tell you that when I was walking into the theater, the theater to see Space Jam, I couldn't even tell you the last movie that I saw in general, Never mind in theaters. Like I just straight up don't watch movies. And if I do watch a movie, I'm going to like Mm -hmm. it because if I'm like getting to the point where I'm actually watching it, it's because I've already convinced myself that I'm going to like it. So like I'm far from any sort of movie critic, but like, Here's my thing, like, if you're an NBA fan and you're going to watch Space Jam, like, you're not watching it to, like, you know, dissect LeBron's acting or, like, the storyline of the movie. Like, I went in to watch Space Jam because, like, I wanted to see a bunch of NBA stars on the big screen and see, like, what kind of spin they put on it and, you know, see what, like, the goon squad's like and, like, I don't know, just all little things like that. I wanted yeah. to see, like, all the nuggets that they throw in there for, like, the older crowd that the younger kids wouldn't pick up on, stuff like you that. You want so- to see
1: the new Lola Bunny
2: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, well, yeah, until they like had to like make her less hot or whatever, which I mean, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, so like you go in and like right off the bat, they and not going to have any spoilers here or anything like that. But this is just like something that's dope right away. Like they give you this to like brace the audience of like who LeBron James really is for, let's say, you know, the more casual fan that isn't following it as much they go through like this, like in-depth highlight reel of his entire career. And it's like all the temple events. Like, I'm not even talking about like, just like the block and like his game winner against like the magic and stuff like that. Like even like the decision and like things like that. And like, they kind they kind of like cartoonize like his highlights to like get you in the space jam mode. And like, as an NBA fan right off the bat, I was like, all right, that was worth the price of admission alone. Like that was like, so sick to me. And then like, as they're going on throughout the movie, and again, like whatever, you can say what you want about his acting and the plot and all that stuff. Like it wasn't really any different than the original Space Jam in terms of like, MJ is not like Michael B. Jordan, you know what I mean? Like he's not like this crazy actor, like LeBron's the same way. So I don't know, like when I was like watching it all, it felt like they hit on like a bunch of like little nuggets that like you know diehard NBA fans will pick up on that the casual fan might not and it's not even the stuff that's like in plain sight like there was like even like little like in the weeds type like things that they were hitting on that like I was pretty surprised they brought up and besides that like I mean I'm a huge Game of Thrones nerd Harry Potter nerd and like being like you know Warner Brothers and HBO Max they were able to like add a bunch of those characters into the movie and like do references to that stuff. And like, I understand people saying that it was like kind of a billboard for like Warner Brothers and HBO, which like, I do see that side of it, but I thought that aspect was cool too. My only, my only, uh, complaint about space jam too, is that like, I wish that the monsters or the goon squad had like more of a role as like their actual people. Like I wanted to see like a minimum of 10 minutes of like clay Thompson screen time. And like, you get maybe two seconds like it's like very quick other than like when he's Mm -hmm. in character like in the game or whatever like dame got like super like you know superstar treatment which was cool but like i would have liked to see like their personalities a little bit more but like all in all the people that are like really coming down on it and hating on it for the plot or for lebron's acting or like you know this and that it's like you probably went into the movie not wanting to like it so that's probably why you didn't like it
0: yeah yeah all right well that that was a very compelling argument um I, uh, I definitely see what you're saying. (laughs) I have two questions though. One, uh, in, when they were going through the highlights of LeBron's career, tent pole, you know, situations, Mm -hmm. um, did they include, uh, when he was afraid to post up JJ Barea in the 2011 (laughs) finals?
2: No, they definitely missed they out have. on JJ Barrett mm-hmm. just running amok on the Miami Heat in the 2019. <laughs> no, okay. Okay. So, okay, yeah, so that's they left good that to out. Yeah.
0: All right. So it's a little bit of LeBron propaganda. They don't definitely they don't LeBron
2: propaganda. Good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Um, right, I'll tell you this then, much.
2: If you're not a LeBron fan, don't go see it because yeah. it's definitely a lot of propping LeBron up. I personally like LeBron a lot, so you know, it didn't really hit me the wrong way, but I've seen some people on my timeline that I know for a fact don't like them that were like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm like, of course you would say that.
0: That's that's shocking that the movie executive produced by LeBron James starring LeBron James <laughs> is pro-LeBron James. I I don't get that. Yeah, <laughs>
2: Never would have seen it coming.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. And then my second question is, uh, better actor, MJ or LeBron?
2: Man, I, it's like, it really is so similar that it's like... I, I'm going to, you know what? I'm actually going to give the edge to LeBron. I really am because LeBron, like MJ was like acting. LeBron was like embracing the fact that he's like pretty corny and cringy. So like, Hmm. it kind of like played into like what he was doing. Like, obviously there were some scenes that were like, okay, you just like clearly don't do this for a living. Like you would expect, but like, I kind of like the idea that he was like embracing the corny cringy dad side of of LeBron where like with MJ in the OG space jam, it's like, I don't know. Maybe he was just trying too hard to be an actual actor. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna continue to go against the grain. I'm gonna give LeBron the edge there.
0: I think if there's one thing that we can say about LeBron for sure is that he's never been afraid to be corny, especially in his later dad years, for like the sure. Taco Tuesday and the wine oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that comes up very LeBron and Space Jam too. Yeah. No. Plus, he has all the experience acting from when he's flopping all around the court trying to sell. <laughs> also <calls>. accurate. <laughs> also terrible, accurate. <laughs> terrible corny one. Yeah, it a pretty glowing review though. You at least <laughs> changed my mind. I still might not like it, but I feel like you at least changed my mind about how to walk into it. You know, yeah, have more. You just more
2: gotta go in with a yeah, go open mind, open heart, and I promise you'll come
1: out at least somewhat enjoying it. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've covered the two biggest NBA storylines, the finals <laughs> and Space Jam Two. Uh, we did also want to cover some NBA draft. Uh, we're coming into this. I'd say Dylan and I not exactly doing all of our homework. Uh, so we're going to rely on you here for some cool. insights into the draft. First question, you know, they say this a lot in the NFL, you know, who passes the eye test sort of thing. And in the NFL draft, they also have, you know, who looks good in shorts in training camp. Do you have a guy in the draft that you think looks good in pants? Passes the eye test off the court. Uh, off the court. You know, what? I haven't really caught up on like. Are you asking like league
2: fits wise? Like what? Like how they're like how they're styling or like what? Do, what are you? What are you asking me?
1: Yeah, fr- you could go that way. Also, maybe like frame, build, height. You know.
2: They look <laughs> well, like gonna,
0: they look like an NBA player. <laughs> yeah.
2: If I was gonna go the the style route, Jalen Green's definitely got it down mm-hmm. pat. I mean, this dude mm-hmm. is like he's been all over Instagram. He's got like million followers since he was you know in high school or i mean he was only in high school a couple of years ago but no i mean like in terms of like prospects that i feel like maybe aren't getting as much hype as like a player who should for like their size their build everything like that there's one prospect that i'm particularly strong on who i feel like has kind of like weeded out over the course of the draft process and that's the g league ignites jonathan kaminga he's someone that like really started out as like I mean, for like for people who like haven't been paying attention to the draft that much, it's been the idea was that it was like a five player draft with Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, uh, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs and Jonathan Kaminga. And it seems like as the process has gone on, Kaminga's kind of weeded his way out of there. And I understand why. Like this is a guy who didn't shoot efficiently in his one season with the G League Ignite, but he also wasn't really playing in the role that he should have been playing in. And he wasn't exactly locked in on the defensive end when he's supposed to be this like two way stud stopper. And my reaction to that is that you know he goes into this one season where with the G League Ignite, no matter what, after one year you have to go pro. You have to go into the draft. There's no option to do a second year with the Ignite. And yeah. he needs to make an like a certain impression on scouts, on execs, everything like that, to show them like his perceived flaws were offensively. Can he shoot the ball consistently? Can he make? Like, can he play Can he pass? And I personally felt like anytime I watched him play, he was like really pressing to try and do those things. I mean, he shot the ball more times than Jalen Green did. And I honestly think that if Jalen Green reaches his potential in the NBA, he'll win multiple scoring titles. So like there should never have been a case where Jonathan Kamingo should have been taking more shots than Jalen Green on that team. And he was. And again, I feel like that's kind of because he was pressing to fit the certain mold of trying to prove people, you know, I can do what you Said I can't do. So because of that, and this is a guy who's, I mean, he's six foot eight, he's 220 pounds. He has seven foot wingspan. He can guard one through four easily. He can maybe even play small ball five if he's locked in on the defensive end. And all of a sudden he's kind of like, you know, falling on draft boards a little bit. Like some people have Florida state, Scotty Barnes ahead of him at five. And I think Scotty Barnes is a great prospect. He's intriguing. You know, he can pass the ball. He's basically a point guard in a power forward's body. But at the same time, I still feel like Jonathan Kaminga is like the prototypical versatile Wing in today's nba forward in today's nba so for someone with that type of athleticism um that type of like nba ready body that type of length um and he's still you know i mean he's someone that he has shown flashes being able to shoot the ball he, when he gets downhill and he's going to the rim he's an unstoppable force because he invites contact and he'll finish through it and when he is locked in on the defensive end i truly think that he can be you know an elite stopper in the nba guarding one through four so for a player that fits all you know checks all the boxes for an nba player in today's nba of being switchy and versatile and all those things it surprises me that he's someone that isn't getting as much love as he was at the beginning of the draft process
1: yeah hitting the points is just some of the buzzwords there the twitchy big wingspan that's all i need to hear yeah. i mean that's that's as long as we can fit those in there do you have an do you have a comp an nba current comp
2: yeah, I would say like, he's kind of like OG Ananobi, but he he's coming into the NBA with more offensive skill than in, OG Ananobi. I also think okay. that, and this is one that uh, his head coach, Brian Shaw, I, I talked to him at one point during the G League season. He told me, it reminds me a lot of Jalen, reminds him a lot of Jalen Brown and being a Celtics fan, watching Jalen Brown in his early stages where the guy literally couldn't dribble with his left hand, couldn't create his own shots, save his life. Like very, very raw prospect. I can also see that side of Jonathan Kaminga. I'm just not sure. I mean, I guess I would have said the same thing about Jalen Brown, though I'm not sure if he would ever be able to, you know, hit a behind-the-back step-back or like a half-spin, like side-step three. Like I never would have assumed that. So maybe that the hope is still there for Kaminga one day. But I would say those are two players, like on the raw side, Jalen Brown, um, as far as like who he could develop into becoming a, a more offensive-minded OG and an Obi.
1: Sounds um, good to me. I can repeat that, and <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's,
0: go, um, with a. Uh, this is something that I personally am worried about um, as someone that likes to sound like I know what I'm talking about um, as much as possible. Now that there's an increasing number of players, like top prospects that are going like the G league route, whatever it might be alternative routes, than just going straight into college. Like, are you worried about how much you're going to have to keep up with these guys and these different, like, like, do you really want to watch a bunch of G league games to just look at one prospect? Like, I, I don't think I can. No, I can get it. I end. can get my it's draft my insights by just, you know, randomly throwing on some college basketball game and saying that I know this prospect, but I don't know if I'm there yet.
2: Yeah. That, that part is kind of tough. And like, I mean, the Igniter's starting to load up with prospects and like, you got guys overseas, like playing in the NBL, like we saw with like Lamello and RJ Hampton last year. Mm-hmm. And there's other guys that are doing it this year. But I mean, like, I'll I'll give you this much. Like, I mean, I do enjoy it. Like I enjoyed like scouting Kaminga and Jalen Green this year, but at the same time, like it almost has that like summer league feel to it where like, yeah. you know, you, like the draft happens and like you're getting all excited about the rookies and then summer league comes around. You're like, let's go. Like, I can't wait to watch summer league. Like, it's going to be so sick to watch these rookies play. And then like you watch like two minutes of a summer league game and you realize it's like, you know, two real NBA players or three real NBA players on a court with like seven other guys that don't belong on an NBA floor. And it kind of like you know takes the wind out of it so like i 100% see what you're saying there um, i'm going to i'm going to kind of ride the fence there and say that i do enjoy scouting the individual players but i definitely i feel you on on the end of like i mean am i really going to watch a 16 game g league season just to watch these two players like no i'll just catch them when they get to the pros
0: yeah exactly well and i mean i personally am a big prisoner of the moment guy um, and if a top prospect does something in a big game, like a big college basketball game or same thing with college football, mm-hmm. after the college football playoffs, I was like, any Devonta Smith is the next Jerry Rice. I don't know why anyone wouldn't pick him. He's literally unstoppable. Um, <laughs> so after seeing, after seeing Jalen Suggs hit that half court game winner, I, it was just, it blows my mind. Like I'm, I would have, I, I saw that and I'd be like, any GM should pick him number one. So that's my thing too, is like, I can't get it quite as excited about like a G League game when there's not the same, you know, implications to it. It's just a G League game rather than like the semifinals of the uh, March Madness, you know?
2: Yeah, I guess like the counter to that would just be that like, I mean, they are playing against grown men and like a bunch of guys that did actually play in the league. So it's like,
0: you know, Jalen
2: Suggs hits that shot again, like against You know, I mean, let's say like, let's use the national championship, for example, against like Baylor, like they have like two real NBA players on that roster and three players that, you know, are just good college basketball players. I mean, they're a great team, but he's doing it against two real NBA players and three players. that. And again, like in the G League, not everybody on the floor is an NBA player, but I do think like it does give them a little bit of an edge. Like there's a reason that like LaMelo Ball came into the league this year and was very ready to go. And that's because like the NBL is one of the best le- leagues in the world overseas. So it does kind of prepare you for that. But at the same time, like that is a huge deal. Someone like Jalen Suggs knocks down one of the biggest shots in college basketball history. That's one going to raise this draft stock to put a ton of eyes on it more than any eyes that Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga got on them all year long. And that's not even comparable. Like there's no way that there was anybody that was ever tuned into one of those ignite games more than they were that final four game. There's just no way. So I do see what you're saying there. Um, but I mean, at the same time, like, I think that there's benefits going the college route as well, like to, to your point, like, I mean, if Jalen green had played in the NCAA this year, there's a chance that like, he could be the perennial number one pick over Cade Cunningham in Mm -hmm. the fact of the matter. I mean, it's the same reason the LaMelo ball didn't go number one in the draft last year. Like he was the best player in that class. Everybody knew it, but you know, there's a little bit of a risk involved in taking a player that didn't play uh, in the States in in college. So I I definitely see what you're saying there. And and (laughs) just to go back to Devonta Smith real quick, as a Patriots fan, I like after I don't watch any college football at all. Like I try and keep up with as many sports as possible, but college football just kind of like falls off the rails there. And Mac Jones, like when the patriots drafted him i was not his biggest fan and part of the reason was because all i watched was a college football playoff and i'm like this guy's the easiest job in the world his number one receiver is open every single time yeah. like he doesn't have I to know. make any reads just find this guy so i thought that was funny you brought that up and i had to had to loop that back together real quick
0: but i mean I'm pro I mac jones we've had that we've had that exact take that mac jones was just some dude that was right. like, like hey you want to be our quarterback we have the greatest wide receiver <laughs> anyone's ever seen like, oh, yeah, it's going to be fine. open every time. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. You're going to yeah. get drafted 15th because of it. Sick. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah.
1: But we're pro Mac Jones now. So,
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: Have to yeah. Be.
1: we'll see. Uh, I think I found a solution, though, to go back to our problem there. We were talking mm-hmm. about, you know, Dylan not having high enough stakes. We just got to start betting on G League games. If we start oh, betting yeah. on if G those League lines games, are available. then like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you could find some obscure uh, betting site and uh, go to them, you know, if we're just like, drunk at a G League game and we saw some incredible shot, then we'd be like, oh my gosh, this is like yeah. winning a national championship. Uh, i thought that'd be fun too. Because I have four bucks on Moneyline. Yeah. And it's <laughs> 120. Um, last thing before we let you go, Kyle, uh, when we were preparing for the interv- interview, we were unsure whether or not to touch on uh, your name. As you well know, you sound, your name sounds very similar to Kyrie Irving. And we were unsure if you would, like it or not like it for us to bring that up. But then you mentioned you have a relevant story about it. So basically what's the, what's the spiel that Kyrie Kyle Irving mix? Up? Yeah. So, I mean, well, first
2: off, like working in what I do, obviously it's the first thing that anybody ever says. And I actually, I mean, like even though I'm a Celtics fan and I, Kyrie was my favorite player before he got traded to Boston. Uh, I don't hate him as much as other people do, but I am definitely still not a huge fan of his. Um, as you know, as a, as a person and what he did to the Celtics organization, he's one of the most amazing players in the NBA and he's magical with the basketball in his hands. Um, But it is kind of funny that like when I was young and growing up and I like first found out who Kyrie was when he was at St. Patrick's of Elizabeth, like I was like, oh, this is pretty crazy. Like we have the same name. I was watching all his highlights on YouTube, everything like that. So like I found him on Facebook and like sent him like a friend request on Facebook and he accepted my friend request. And at that time, like he was just starting to blow up. It was before he was the number one prospect in the country. And uh, he he like, you know, eventually got up to I don't even know how many. You know, Facebook friends at the time would have been a lot, but it was a ton. And he eventually like cleared everybody out, like cleared house, posted the status. He was like, "Hey, like, just want to let everybody know, like, I had to like clear, like, clear out all my followers. Like, just kept it to like close friends and family. Like, appreciate y'all, like, following me along on the journey. Like, let's keep this riding into Duke or something like that. And like, I just like happened to be one of the people that like he kept around. I don't know if he thought I was family. I don't know what. I don't know what he might have thought. But (laughs) funny enough, he like kept me around. So. Um, I haven't actually had the chance to like sit down with him in a locker room or like have any sort of conversation of like, yeah, this is pretty crazy. Like my name is Kyle Irving and your name's Kyrie Irving. But like, if I ever do, and I feel like, cause obviously, you know, how he is in the media and stuff, like if I could find the right moment, I think I might try and bring that up and just be like, Hey, this is like a pretty crazy experience that I've been following you since you were like a sophomore year or sophomore in high school. I don't know if you remember doing this. Like, obviously he doesn't remember keeping me on the friends list, but. (laughs) I just thought that was something that's kind of funny that maybe someday down the line, I'll have the opportunity to bring that up to him.
0: You could, uh, you could be the one member of the media that he actually likes this could be on good side yeah i will gonna... only
1: talk to kyle irving and i will only do it through facebook messenger yeah, my <laughs> yeah, <channels>. yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, too bad they could... don't have the poke feature around i was gonna say you should poke him yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that would
2: that would be a real way to like, just keep poking him until he gives me an interview yeah exactly yeah, like... get, get a Kyrie irving exclusive with his long distant cousin that's not really his long distant cousin but i'm gonna try and convince him to...
0: <laughs> do you ever um like sim <laughs> like there's a you know, there's the the Florida congressman, Matt Gates, who, uh, as I'm sure you know, is a bit controversial and gets a lot I of honestly, hate messages. I cannot uh,
2: further remove from politics. It's crazy. I so, like, am almost
0: embarrassed. So, controversial. Sometimes. Sometimes. So, <laughs> he, controversial. Yeah, just, we'll leave it at controversial. There's a reporter whose name is Matt Gertz and their handles are almost the exact same. And he says he gets like hate messages constantly. If Kyrie yeah. Irving has like a bad game, do you ever get like like. Tagged a bunch, like, do you ever get hate? Yeah,
2: that's definitely <laughs> happened before, yeah, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> happened before. Like, not like people, it doesn't happen all the time, but it has definitely happened before. Where, like, there have been times where, like, I think it was when Kyrie got voted all NBA this year. And, like, there were people – like, there was a couple of people that tweeted at me. They were like, you have no business being on all, on the All-NBA team, like, blah, 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 stuff like that. Like, there was another one where I think at some point this year, uh, like, some prominent media member – I don't even remember who it was – did, like, a best guards in the league list or something like that. And it was, like, a similar thing. Like, uh, people were tweeting at me. They are like, you know, you have no business being on this list or whatever. <laughs> but it does happen every now and then. But it's also, like, how lazy do you have to be to just not, like, read – like, that it's not Kyrie Irving. Like, I don't know. It's just – I don't know. But – You're going to start – I enjoy it though i honestly do i enjoy every second it's kind of cool it's such a unique it's such a unique like aspect and like just the whole like story of it like i'll never forget where exactly where i was when i found out he was getting traded to the celtics it was the best day of, like literally the best <laughs> day possible like he was my favorite player and like i mean obviously it's been a crazy roller coaster ride since then but i somehow do still have some sort of love for kyrie like uh, yeah. down you the to surface your cousins. Level, even yeah, I mean, I have to. Yeah, it's like yeah. not loving your family member, but yeah. I do have some sort of love for Kyrie, and like, even like once the C's got eliminated by him, like I found myself kind of rooting for the Nets, oddly enough. So like, I don't know, it it was kind of all there, but that's
1: crazy. You got to start responding to them like you're Kyrie. I feel like next time someone's like, yeah. Are you couldn't be all NBA, be like, yo, I went twenty seven and <laughs> uh, yeah. second team of the East, bro. Yeah, what I'm do you carrying mean, carrying this was injured half the season, just yeah, go crazy.
2: You're right. Maybe I will start responding to those, just really yeah. get people going. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. well, I will have it top of mind when we start doing social media posts for this to not include Kyrie Irving, but to include Kyle Irving. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us again, NBA content producer, the NBA Canada and NBA Australia, not on Twitter at Kyrie Irving, but <clears throat> Kyle Irv. Uh, but really appreciate the time, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. It was fun. And now we're going to do some uh, Game 5 NBA Finals recap with some boots-on-the-ground coverage. Dylan, you were at the game. First laid out for me, how was it? How was Phoenix? How was the
0: arena? Phoenix, the town, uh, was hot um, and sweaty. The game itself was unbelievably electric. The most electric atmosphere I think I ever could have imagined like i didn't know that a crowd could get as loud as they did the phoenix fans they brought it and i didn't even see until afterwards all of the antics like you know how like the crowd the phoenix crowd has just like brought it every single time there's been a home game i didn't even see the money counting guy until afterwards like i mean it was just it was unreal it was so awesome
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask because we discussed last week how like every Suns fan looks like they're on Molly at a rave. You know how people say the camera adds 15 pounds. Does the camera add like four points of Molly to each crowd member in Phoenix or is that what it's actually like?
0: No, I honestly think they're I think they're putting something in the air or the water at Talking Stick because like I got there. And like, I started hugging the people around me. Like I started giving people back massages and stuff. Everyone was just saying that they loved each other. It was like, it was like Coachella day three in there. It was like, it was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I did. I did, it was, I did actually, in the water. It was crazy. Like, so I was there as a Bandwagon Suns fan. I was there with Carson, who's a legitimate Suns fan. His little brother slash our video intern, Jordan, who was a Bandwagon Sons fan. And then our fourth friend, Steve, who's a Bucks fan. Um, And it was awesome because it was, I mean, he was just in a sea of Suns fans and all of it, like every single time the Suns literally like made a basket when it was like, they went up 10-8 on a Devin Booker mid range, a totally normal occurrence. They were like freaking out. Like they had just won the game. They came up, they gave you high fives and stuff like that. They'd start yelling, fuck you at, at our buddy, Steve. Like it was, it was electric. Yeah, um, I don't
1: know this guy, Steve, but I hope the wor- he had the worst time. I, I hope he, he just got harassed relentlessly. Sorry, uh, Steve. I don't know. He either, ended up. But... He ended
0: up winning in the end, though. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> he actually there was like one Suns fan um, that that came up after like everyone had been like harassing him. Like we went to a bar beforehand, and the bar all started booing him like collectively as a bar, and then. And then at the end of the game, as they're winning, some Suns fan comes up to him and is just like, hey, just remember, like, be humble in victory. Like, you know how tough this must be on all of us. And it's like, dude, you've been you've <laughs> He's been harassed me, like, relentlessly for all night. Yeah, <laughs> teaching you how to be a uh,
1: sore
0: winner. That's yeah. hilarious. How was, yeah. uh, tell me about the Giannis free throws. Okay, so, well, so, so Giannis is sped up. Because I was counting, we were counting fast, and I think we made it to like eleven once. Like Giannis is definitely sped up. I honestly think, like, I th- I think he's doing it on purpose, or we've we've everyone has collectively forced him to speed up. But like, I remember specifically being like one, two, three, four, and I think I think we made it to like eleven once. But it was I still. It, I think you guys sped up as it, the game went. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But <laughs> those every time... last two
1: that he missed, those were quicker counts than at the start of the game.
0: As for as loud as everyone got every time the Suns scored, they were that much louder if Giannis missed a free throw, any free throw. And I think he was like four for 11. So they, the place was electric when he missed.
1: Yeah. I mean, those last two that he missed were oh brutal, which God. brings us to oh.
0: the end of the game. How much did oh. that suck? It was so brutal because I, I mean, I had just, I was a Suns fan that night. I, you know, I got over the loss pretty quickly because I'm not actually a Suns fan, but in the moment in that stadium, wearing my throwback, Charles Barkley Jersey, I was for 48 minutes, a diehard Suns fan. (laughs) So when there was like three minutes left in the game and they were down like eight, Giannis was making every single turnaround mid range. Chris Middleton would make everything fucking Connaughton was knocking on threes. I had kind of resigned myself to the fact that it was over and I was like disappointed. My head was in my hand. Like I was sitting down like, and then they got on that run and they got it. I mean, like they got it back into within one and it went from, I went from completely accepting that they were going to lose to being like, Holy shit. I have a chance to see a potential game-winning shot in the NBA Finals. Devin Booker, mid-range, just just to go ahead, just to win. I just wanted a chance to see that. And Drew Holiday took it away from me, took it away from all of us. And then like that, it went from being like, holy shit, I might see a game, game-winning shot in the NBA Finals to this game's over. Giannis crushed all of our spirits and our hearts in two seconds. Like it went – it was so quick from hope to – gone
1: yeah from booker hitting that like fadeaway three to inch it closer to Giannis, just murking chris paul question is chris paul in person as awful as he is on tv
0: he was bad he's so bad what a stupid foul what does he think he's gonna accomplish i don't know it's ridiculous five five seven 160 pound chris paul thinks that he's gonna affect Giannis's like full speed alley-oop dunk Giannis, who's seven, nine, 400 pounds of muscle. Like what does he th- what does he think that he's gonna accomplish? Giannis who just traveled twenty feet in half a
1: second to block Aiden With, on that dung. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Giannis. Chris Paul, you're gonna foul Giannis foul him covered, hard
0: enough. Who covered the floor to to like he he had the full head of steam. He had covered the full length of the floor in probably three steps. He was going like 45 miles an hour. And Chris Paul thinks that he can shove him off balance and somehow make a difference. And instead just throw the game away completely. It just, Oh
1: yeah. Well, was... not to frustrate you more, but speaking yeah. of Chris Paul underperforming and I'm yeah. not sure if we can talk about this on the podcast, the bet. I heard there was like a $600 bet oh, yeah. on yeah. Chris Paul yeah. under <laughs> points. So, uh,
0: so yeah. Um... So we obviously were gonna. We we all put like a good amount of money on the game. Uh, Steve put um, uh, Steve put money on the Bucks. We all put money on the Suns. Just like money line. We just wanted just some like rooting interest. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were doing this like as we were getting ready to go out. Like we had started drinking. Whatever. Jordan has like a bunch of money in his Bovada account. Um, and he was like, we we just kept throwing bets at him. We'd be like, yo, what's the spread? Or like, what are the odds on DeAndre Ayton uh, over 17 points? Just all this stuff. Like we were throwing way too much at him and he couldn't handle it. And apparently in all the confusion, he wanted to put like $10 on Chris Paul over 22 and a half points. And somehow he ended up putting $600 <laughs> on Chris Paul. Over 22 and a half points, Jordan, who's a 21 year old college student. I didn't even, I didn't even, I couldn't even comprehend $600 when I was a junior in college. (laughs) I had to Venmo you the last
1: time I was in Phoenix, I had to Venmo you $20 so you could eat. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly,
0: he bet $600 on Chris Paul, 22 and a half points. Chris Paul ended up with 21 points, uh, (laughs) including like. I think he missed, like, a shot, like, just a, a garbage time shot at the end that would have put him ahead.
1: Oh, my um, God.
0: And so the whole time while we're, like, watching the game and, like, um, you know, cheering for the Suns, <laughs> Jordan was, like, there was literally only one thing I cared about the entirety of the game, and it was Chris Paul's stat line. <laughs> so he knew, like, right like he hit it? Right when
1: he put it, right when he put the bet
0: in, yeah, he was like, "Oh my god, I put it." Okay, so
1: does part of the onus fall on you guys for throwing all the numbers at him, or is that on him? I'm asking. I'm not accusing. I'm just saying. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. So you guys gonna help him out with the 600? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) Um, Also, Bavada money's fake money. It's like I know. That's kind of what I was
0: thinking. Yeah, yeah. you get like the
1: multipliers, and when you deposit your money, yeah, exactly. You get bonus. Like it's not. It's not six hundred hard-earned American
0: dollars. Exactly, exactly. It's not coming out of his checking account or anything. Um, But yeah, it was uh, it was electric. Uh, You could also there was also some uh, some famous faces in the crowd. Um, Vanessa Hudgens did the national anthem. Lil Wayne was there. Adele was there. Um, uh, Should I just had
1: Adele do the national anthem? I know.
0: I know. If you're gonna have someone who's there. actor lebron james i don't know if you've he got an, he has a new movie coming out uh, i think he yeah. was just doing promo for his new movie yeah. uh and he his was tequila. yeah and his tequila he got to bring in his own tequila but like if we would have done that we would have gotten kicked out i had to Wait. spend i had i got i got two gin and tonics at one point and a popcorn and it was 58 dollars. and brutal, lebron man. gets to just take in his own tequila the rich get richer and while we're out uh, here
1: overpaying for drinks, two Americas right there. That's that's right. Yeah. I once paid $55 for a craft of wine watching the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, exactly. that was an accident on my part. I didn't need a <laughs> half of a
0: wine at a basketball game. That's it.
1: <laughs> it was supposed to be a joke, but then it, it wasn't when it showed up on my credit card. Um, yeah, yeah. so we gotta get to it. We actually have some coverage. From our official Phoenix Suns beat reporter, Carson
0: Christian. Yep. So Slash diehard Suns fan.
1: Slash diehard Suns fan. (laughs) So he was just lay this out for us. He was just out there getting some,
0: getting getting the vibe from the fans. So we got there, we got there like an hour and a half early, an hour early. um, And we were just like wandering around um, and going up to anyone uh, that we could. And just interviewed them about their experiences, you know, trying to trying to understand at the heart of the Suns fan. Um, and I think you got, got a lot of good stuff. Carson uh, had a lot of hard hitting questions um, that I, uh, I, think, I think we're pretty good. Yeah. yeah, we'll
1: let it speak for itself. Take notes, and This is how you do some real boots yeah. on the ground reporting right here.
0: He confirms it. He does not (laughs) want Mike Budenholzer teaching his team. I am way too drunk to do this.
3: Thank you. This is uh, Meat Sports Alcohol coming to you live with Meat Sports Alcohol. You know, there's so many questions I could ask you, but why did you become a Suns fan? There's this hot chick at the mall that was a Suns fan, and... I had to become one to get our number, so ever since then, I've been a Suns fan. Hey, we've all been there, my friend. Why are you a Suns fan?
1: I was born and raised in Phoenix.
3: Valid point. Steve Nash. Who is he? Who is he? My
1: favorite player.
3: Your favorite player of all time. Why is that? Go Suns. All right, jokes aside. Suns going to win tonight?
4: I mean, we'll see. I think they got a good chance, but... um... Not counting out the Bucks either. I'm, I'm down for an entertaining game. I want to see something go down to the stretch, and let's see who gets a job done.
3: All right. All jokes aside, Suns going to win tonight?
4: No, all jokes aside. Ooh man, that's a tough question. I mean, I, I feel like I'm not at liberty necessarily to say Vegas will say that the Suns will win, but will truly happen? I don't know. we got to wait and see. That's the fun of watching the game.
3: All right, one more question. All jokes aside, Suns going to win tonight?
4: I guess so, my man. Come on. Yeah,
3: there we <laughs> go. All right, my boy. <laughs> i love the shirt thank you thank you how much you spent on that shirt about uh 30 bucks 30 bucks god damn i could get a stripper for that much same same yeah where are you getting your strippers at um everywhere you know go to the mall get them anywhere really shit yeah 30 bucks strippers though you know like we can't what we can't trust thirty dollars strippers. Yeah, yeah. This guy said it. Bucks fan over here. I don't trust Bucks fans, but I do not trust thirty dollars strippers. That is for goddamn sure. Am oh, yeah. I right? You're so right. Yeah. Hey, I love Giannis, but well, let's talk about Brandon Jennings for a second, shall we? Brandon Jennings. You know, arguably the best rookie year of any player ever of all time.
4: Uh, I don't, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. Yeah. He's having a great year for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, hopefully we can see him win. We came all the way from Hawaii to see the
3: Bucks play. Yeah. So, Brandon Jennings over or under, uh, let's say, 65 points? Oh, I was going to say 34. 34 points yep. for Brandon Jennings. Okay. Um, hmm. Hmm. All right. Okay. You know uh, Steve Nash. You know Steve Nash. Yeah. Of course I know Steve Nash. You the know Steve great. Nash. All right. Great, of so, what are the chances he plays tonight?
4: Uh, I'll go, like, maybe 1%. You know, Steve Nash might pull up, like, if he's necessary for the Suns to get the dub tonight. I mean, he might pull up and just help him out.
3: Steve Nash, plus or minus 40 assists. I'll
4: go with the over on that one. I mean, come on. Hey, hey fair Nash, enough. Steve Nash, all-time great. Fair enough.
3: Amari Sodemeyer plus or minus 60 dunks.
4: I mean, it depends. If Steve Nash gets 40 assists, like, I mean, Amari can only get 40 dunks then. Come yes. on.
3: Charles Barkley, 100 or less points?
4: Ah, Charles Barkley isn't quite willed. i go with... Maybe seventy, eighty for Barkley. I love Barkley's TNT podcast is great. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Tell me something interesting about yourself.
1: I went to school in Montana. No, what? No, yeah. no, no. We're
3: from Montana. From Montana. Yo, where in where in Montana? Where in Montana? Missoula. Oh my god. Yeah. We're we Are live we live not? in Missoula. No way. I think right now. All right, where in Missoula? Wait, wait. Hellgate? Hellgate? Sentinel?
1: No, University of Montana. University That's of Montana.
3: That's wild. That, that is wild.
1: World. Okay,
3: yeah, <laughs> this is.
4: That is crazy.
3: Sorry, here. We'll, we'll put this on pause. Yeah, you get your drink. Get your drink. Suns in four,
4: right? I mean, it's a little late to go Suns in four, not going to lie. The Suns would have to win six or seven. You, you
3: know? know, can't disagree with you there, my friend. Hey, so we're here with Devin Booker here, and, uh, you know, what do you think the chances are? Devin Booker goes over eighty points tonight. One hundred percent easily. Giannis is a bum. Giannis guards Booker. I mean, easy one hundred. Wolf. Yeah, yeah. Red or black? Black. Black.
4: I'm doing it tomorrow. Put it
3: all on black. Can I hear you say that? Put it all on black. All on six. On black. Boxing
4: Boxing six. And
3: we are the valley. We are. The Valley. Can I hear you say that one time? Really we are right? the Valley. One more time. We are the Valley. Yes, we are the Valley.
0: And that was our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, make sure you tune in next week. Uh, when we kick off our Olympics coverage and our shot put frenzy, uh, when we have on Philip, uh, <laughs> the number seventh ranked shot putter in the nation, in the world. Um, so you're definitely going to want to tune in uh, as we come to you live with Philip uh, from Tokyo as he gets ready for the shot put. Is he an American? Uh, he is a Croatian. Okay, <laughs> like, Mahalovic. Oh, is that his Hebrew last name? Uh, uh, uh nope. Mechla Mahalovic. 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 I'm
1: psyched to talk to him about yeah. it shot putting, <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's gonna be a great guest um follow us on social media at me sports twitter instagram tell your friends we're on tiktok like doing surprisingly okay on tiktok uh so check us out there too and all right fam peace peace and love
3: today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you by now, you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. Because maybe.